What's up, y'all? Emergency, emergency. Oh, oh you got me too. Oh, fast. you know what? No, let's let's Stop. Yeah. Emergency, emergency. Alert, 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 alert. Do not be alarmed, alert. Do not be alarmed, even though we are sounding an alarm. And we're saying emergency. And we're saying emergency. Yo, if this was a real emergency, we wouldn't be uh, acting silly like this. What's up? You are- It is a real emergency. I mean, it's a real emergency, but it's not like a crisis. But it's an emergency if they don't miss, if they don't get it. Yeah, don't miss- If you miss out. It's an emergency. This is going to be a short episode, but um, it's because we want to get it out to you real quick. Welcome back to Two Dope Teachers and a Mic. I'm Gerardo Munoz. I'm Kevin Adams. A grown man, Kevin Adams. A grown man. That's right, a grown man, Kevin Adams. Kevin, how you doing today, man? You know, uh, it's a snowy day here in the Mile High City. It's you know, people who have bet against snow, I was like, never bet against snow in April in Colorado. Nah, man. Because you know it's coming. I'm so and there's, there's more coming. I know, and I'm so tired of shoveling. <laughs> like, I'm kind of like, when can I stop shoveling? Like, I'm from- A lot of shovelable snow. That's when you know it's been a big uh, winner. Because yeah. like, you're like, man, I'm really sick of shoveling snow. I'm like, I don't want to shovel anymore. I don't want to shovel anymore. And this is the wet, heavy kind. It's it's, yeah. it, And there was a lot of it. There was a decent yeah. amount. It was a decent amount. It was kind of surprising. Um, I took a personal day today, so I didn't have to drive in it. Woo woo. Um, yeah. Treat yourself. Had to treat myself. Had to had to handle some biz. Um, yo, listen, we are we are here coming at you. You are going to be hearing this earlier than we typically will drop an episode, but it's because we have a really important announcement that we need to make. Kevin, you want to talk a little bit about it? Yes, critical announcement. Is it about the episode or is there a different announcement? <laughs> um. You pick. No, I'm kidding. Uh, nah, today, today's episode. What are we doing today? All right. So we are here. We are. We have a very special guest, Malachi Ramirez from uh, Project Voice. That's right. Who is going to talk about their latest project, The Evolution? Because you know, uh, it, it, we we are when you when you are engaged like Malachi is in the work. You know, one little bump in the road doesn't slow you down. Right. And so we're going to hear about you know. Uh, Project Voice, the first project that Project Voice was working on that pulled him in and how they overcame that obstacle that they yep. encountered, right? You know, and, and I think a lot of times we think of activist stories as like the end where it all worked out. But even right. those activists who got there will tell you, hey, it's still not over. We're still struggling for this, that, and the other. And so, um, you know, I think this, we should call this episode the dialectic. Like right, it. It, because because that's what you do, right? You yeah. move on to the next thing, yeah. and so um, Project Voice has a great project that you can get involved with. Young people, we are looking at talking to you. Can't see us. I'm looking at you. Looking yeah. at you, young looking people. At you. We see. We, you. We, we see. You. We look. We see you. We see that's you. Right. That's right. Can't hide. But uh, we're looking at you to get your voice heard. Get out there. Get a say. And, and and the things that go on in your life. So hopefully y'all will vibe with this episode. Um, our people who are older, what do we call ourselves? Um, our, our more matured human beings. Not matured think, because that's I mean, judgmental. Aging, aging is mandatory. Maturity is optional, right? That's right. That's right. And so some I of us, say, oh, some I, of us I, are I mean, we're, I, like, I think we can be the elders. Like, that's we're, right. we're elders. Are we elders? 
Um, well, okay, that feels... We're o- we that, are that actually, OGs. We ain't feel, double OGs. That, that feels disrespectful to the actual elders. We, we OGs. <laughs> we're not double OGs. Yet. we just some right. OGs. That's right. I mean, you know, maybe, right. maybe we're just the grown people. We're the, we're the adults. Um, and, adults. Uh, something. But, I mean, that says something. That says something that we don't know whether we can really be truly called leaders or anything like you that. You never judge it. This is like the reality, though. The older you get, you're like... Man, I thought adults like somehow knew something, had some yeah. special class that like, yeah, like I think about myself. I'm like, no, like you're just like yourself, but grown up, like yeah. you're a bigger, <laughs> more capable version of your, you're allowed to do more legally. Yeah. yeah you can stay out all night. You could, yeah, you could, you could vote maybe. You, you um, can, you can eat ice cream at right. Whenever first you thing want. in the morning if you want, you know, you, have, if you want to, you can do that. You can. Right. But but like you you don't change. That's what I realized. I'm like I'm still like, kind of the like same person. I feel like Kevin might be having a little bit of a struggle with adulting today. Um, <laughs> I feel like you're you've been in reflection about. I thought I thought I was gonna have it more under control by now. Like I thought I thought it was just gonna be a lot easier. <laughs> no, I'm I mean, saying it, maybe it's I'm pretty easy. You always think about it. You're like, what was life like being a kid versus yeah. now? You know, and I never go back. You never go back. No, 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 no. You nah, never go nah, back. No, nah. no. Nah, I mean, yeah, it's interesting because I think um, I like I have a brain now and that's good. Um, but you know who else has a brain is uh, Malachi Ramirez and the outstanding youth at Project Voice. And so just want to shout out Project Voice. They've been out here. Uh, they're affiliated with various really powerful student voice and leadership programs in the Denver metro area. Um, so we want to shout out uh, the homie Vanessa Roberts. Uh, who was who uh, was one of the founders of this program? Uh, Descali, Emily, the folks that have connected with us over the last few weeks to try to get this going, and um, absolutely to Malachi, uh, who's going to be out here talking about the things that are going on. Are you okay over there? He's <laughs> like, I got a frog in my throat, some dust. <laughs> so Ke- Kevin Smart, you know, when we when we sneeze or you know whatever we we try to unmike but i honestly didn't know if you were in pain over there <laughs> oh my god um, uh-oh 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 i'm gonna have to call <laughs> it's like claudia oh, i'm happy to yo, call yo yo we haven't <laughs> we we haven't finished yet <laughs> my man's not all right <laughs> all right so be listening check out the episode webpage. uh they'll talk about the listening campaign uh that came out of the sort of crushing um experience they had with the passage of amendment 76 in the fall and uh and malachi will just share with us what we can do and what it looks like to pivot after a difficult moment so without any further ado here we go emergency episode malachi ramirez project voice um listening campaign enjoy y'all hey what's up everybody so we are here with uh, with one of the most impressive young leaders from one of the most impressive young leadership programs in the city of Denver here with Project Voices, Malachi Ramirez. Malachi, thank you for being here with us today. Absolutely, thanks for having me. I'm uh, yeah. so excited to talk a little bit about the work that you are doing, uh, super dope. Also shout out to your, uh, to your kicks in the background. Uh, <laughs> you are holding it down as it were. Uh, I, I think uh, Jesus Nice would be would be pleased to see That's your right. background. That's the right. Great Jesus Nice. The great Jesus Nice. <laughs> uh, Malachi. So Project Voice. 
Um, and and uh, first of all, Malachi, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Uh, how do you uh, get to Project Voice? All that good stuff. And then tell us about Project Voice. What is Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so um, I'm originally from, uh, I was born in like Arvada and I went to elementary school and middle school there. Uh, and around the time when I was about to go into middle school, I uh, broke my leg. And that's kind of important to my beginning journey of like getting into leadership. Okay. And so when I went to high school, I transferred over to, or I had to move to the east side of town uh, in the Green Valley Ranch area. And yep. GVR. Yeah. The GVR. Um, <laughs> yeah. And at the time, I didn't really know the place. So uh, it was like kind of foreign to me. Um, very different, uh, very different environment. Yeah. And when I finally got into high school, it was like, I almost felt like an outsider. So, yeah. And I had a broken leg. I couldn't play sports anymore, really. Right. Um, and what sport did you play? Oh, I played football uh, while yeah. I was in middle school. And that's actually how I broke my leg. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's it. That's huge, though. Those, even at a young age, when you suffer an injury like that, that can Oh, yeah. It was a double femur break. Oh, man. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. yeah. It took two years to get over that. Bro. Um, but in the meantime of me healing through that, uh, because that happened at the end of my middle school tenure. Mm. Um, I didn't know what to do. I was at a new school. I uh, didn't know anybody there. I wanted to get into some sort of extracurricular just so I can get to know some people. And a wonderful senior named Mariel Reyes, uh, she was coming around classrooms, asking people to join her group called... Uh, Hypex, which is the team at my school for Student Board of Education. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so ESPO, um, that was my first experience with ESPO. Uh, I joined her team as a freshman, and I really opened my eyes. Uh, I was around some, like, policy stuff with the Jeffco uh, teacher walkouts when I was in middle school, but uh, that was like really dipping my toes into uh, policy work and like leadership at first. And it's something about MLK. We have a lot of leaders there and it's like almost infectious. So going into my sophomore year, uh, ESPO definitely helped me like gain friends, uh, network a little bit even with ESPO and some of my friends started joining this group called SV2 or Student Voice, Student Vote, mm. which is part of Project Voice. And yeah. I started to get introduced to that. And the reason why I found it so enticing to join is because a lot of the stuff that we do in ESPO and a lot of the stuff that we do as student leaders in Denver Public Schools, it's like we get to say what we want changed, but we don't really get to see it get done That's a right. lot of the time. Yep. And what was really, like, what really brought me on to joining Student Voice, Student Vote was that they were pushing a student voting bill that would allow, um, that would allow students to vote in student board elections, that would allow them to vote in Milevy bonds, oh. and it really, really would have been a game changer. And I was, I helped a lot with that. Uh, I became a co-chair after a year of being a part of that. Yep. Um, 
and it was a great experience working around that bill. Um, yeah. I would say that definitely helped mold me as a leader, uh, being able to be at the Capitol, be at those kind of meetings with people in positions of power. Uh, it's definitely great hands-on experience, but unfortunately this last election season, um, uh, amendment called amendment 76 passed and it was pretty much changing the language around, uh, voting that would disallow, um, it pretty much made it so you had to be 18. In the past, it was the language kind of suggested that you had to be 18, but yeah. it allowed that if there was like an amendment or like a law that was brought into brought in, like with the 17 year old voters that could vote while they were 17, as long as they were 18. As long as they would be 18 on election day, right? Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Talk, talk um, a little bit about that language too, because I know that the the organizing around um, around voting rights for young people um, it, it it was really gaining steam. It was a super exciting thing. So talk a little bit about why. I mean, this is why we have to be educated about the language, right? Um, but talk a little bit about why what it was in the language that both pro- that at first provided an opportunity for young people to vote, and then later language in a later bill that canceled it essentially. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I feel like this is like the language around bills are so important, especially amendments, because especially with Amendment 76, it was super predatory on the fact that people didn't really know what it meant. Uh, Pretty much all it changed was that in in the Colorado Constitution, it says that it said previously that, um, Anyone who is 18 and a citizen is allowed to vote, and it changed it to you must be 18 and a citizen to vote. And not only did that kind of not make a lot of sense to people because it didn't really seem like it changed much, but they also aimed it more as like anti-immigration voting or immigrant voting. That's right. Um, and that kind of slipped away from people. And there was a lot of people in Colorado that didn't want immigrants to vote and didn't make much sense because they already couldn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. don't vote. You, you hear about one person per election cycle that um, that may vote and either and usually because they didn't realize they couldn't. And uh, and then they make this kind of a big deal, uh, you know, as if it's widespread. Yeah, yeah definitely. And so. And it was so weird because Amendment 76 almost came out of nowhere. It was this giant push for this amendment. And um, it, like, at first we had hope that we would be able to partner with um, the ACLU of Colorado to push back on this bill and to uh, have as many people as we could vote no. Yep. And that was a great experience, but it was so overwhelming that, like they had so much funding, like the people that were pushing amendment 76 had mm. so much funding and it just overwhelmed us. So, yeah. yeah. Um, what happened was it passed and now our bill is pretty much impossible unless we want to go back and change that amendment again, which right. is not viable for, um, our organization because that's something that takes millions of dollars it would take a lot of money and it would also take like you would have to i imagine that a lot of it is that you would just have to take on a lot of conversations and debates that aren't really about students voting and um 
you know, that, that feels like that'd be a drain. And I know the organization was really, um, was really dispirited when, um, because of 76 and mm-hmm. kind of fallout from that one thing. And, and I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned Espo because I'm an Espo coach at my school and, um, and my daughter is an Espo rep at her school. And so we're constantly talking about these ideas of authentic student voice and leadership. And I remember when I first became a coach asking, so like, I take things too far as a teacher. Um, (laughs) So what if we follow student voice and leadership to its logical conclusion? Like, there's no way to do this without authentically inviting young people into all of our processes, like giving them power and it it makes me think of uh leslie harrod's wonderful quote Uh, and i know she was quoting somebody else but in an interview she she talked about if you're not at the table you're on the menu and um and that's a really important thing one of the concerns i have as an espo coach is that when my students write policy if it is rejected if it doesn't work out if someone comes from above and says actually no you can't do this at all that the kind of defeat can be a really frustrating thing, but y'all haven't done that at Project Voice. Like I know it was a tough thing, but you've pivoted to this other, um, this other project, this uh, the SV2 listening campaign, right? Um, how did y'all arrive at that as a as an alternative to what you had been working on and organizing around previously? So, uh, since our original project of trying to get this um, student voting bill passed was like gone and since we like didn't really have much else to do uh, around that uh, we pretty much just followed the log- like logical next step in the uh, policy cycle where uh, we can't really do much with what we have now so we have to start over so we wanted to start with our um, community outreach and make sure that we could gather as many student voices as we could to really focus our next campaign on something that students care about. And we didn't want to do that just by saying that, Hey, I'm like, we could have easily been like me as a coach. I could have been like me as a student, I care about this policy and that's what we're going to do. But we wanted to stay authentic to our community. So we really wanted to launch this listening campaign to hear what the students wanted to wanted done. Yeah. Definitely. So then I guess we can then move into, so the listening campaign, um, tell us a little bit about what that is and maybe, uh, you know, give us some examples of kind of what, cause you've, you've been having these, uh, this is an ongoing campaign. And um, so what types of things are coming up? Like, so what, what is it, what kind of things are coming up as you engage in this campaign? Yeah. So the listening campaign is just pretty much a series of one-to-ones that we've had with students and, Pretty much what we do is we just have like these empathy interviews where we talk about, uh, it's almost like, I wouldn't even call it an interview. It's almost just like a conversation uh, where we discuss like what they care about in our schools and um, what they feel like are our biggest issues. And the hardest part about this campaign, I would say, is really... uh, knowing how to get outreach. And I think it's just a a product of the time. It's really hard to get any sort of outreach in. um, The time being like COVID and the reality. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to get uh, like this outreach when you, 
don't even really see anybody during the day uh, as a student. But yeah, that's yeah. where we're at right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and so um, as you guys are going, how if people want to get involved or uh, yeah, share their one to ones, what 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 do they need to do? Yeah, so absolutely, we have a sign up link that uh, I can give you guys after we're done here. But um, there's a sign up link, and pretty much all you have to do is sign up to have a one to one. Put in your availability for when you can have a one to one. It's just usually they last like. 30 minutes, maybe 45, if we get really deep into our conversation. Um, and all you have to do is sign up, show up, and just speak your mind, really. Uh, we also really do encourage that if you really want to get involved, you can join as a listener and be on the opposite end of um, these listening sessions. Mm. So like what I do is I just guide the conversations. And that's something that uh, some of our people that have had listening sessions really were interested in, and we would love to have more. I love that. I love that. I mean, um, I think it's so important. I think any kind of movement has to start with the people that you're mm -hmm. in the movement for, right? And a lot of times we go into it and we don't know. But um, I'm teaching a class right now to eighth graders called Global Service Learning, right? And so it's about what you're engaged in is like giving back to the community working for a goal that you're like this this isn't happening students don't have a voice this is an issue how can i help increase the voice of students and and it's funny because um you know the the end consumer they always want to talk about education as like this uh you know business model right and they want to talk about students as in consumers but in education it's the only uh, it's the only uh, industry where they don't listen to the customers, right? The number one customer, right? We don't listen to the students. We often write the students off. Yep. But if, if, if I could ask you, what advice would you give to young, aspiring youth activists, maybe young people who aren't engaged in activism or maybe just see these issues or don't even think about them, you know, because I was one of these kids that never thought about like, that there was a school board or would ever pay attention. I'm always impressed when I meet young people who are like, the school board's trying to do this. We need to stop them. I'm like, yeah, like I knew, I knew there was a school board, but I didn't know what it did. <laughs> yeah. 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 I guess I knew there was a school board. I didn't know what they did. I didn't, I darn sure didn't know that I could have a say in what they do, but what advice would you give to young youth activists, education activists based on your experiences? Yeah, I would definitely say that, as a youth activist, the best advice I can give is um, seek out the good adults in our community that also will listen to you. Uh, as much as a pain that some adults can be, sometimes like some of the people who are in power. So true. Um, <laughs> it's just really important that you find the people that you can't work with because youth adult partnerships inside of uh, just working as a student leader is some of the most important uh, is probably the most important thing to have. And that's probably the biggest reason why I'm even in a position where I am today, because that's something that SV2, Student Voice, Student Vote, prides itself on. Um, yeah. So, so, and, you know, it's one of those things too, like, and, and I, I've, I've, I've got a little bit of familiarity with uh, Project mm -hmm. Voice from the perspective of the adults who work with you. Um, 
And one thing that I think is really powerful and maybe you can speak to this a little bit is that Project Voice through this listening campaign, but through its its overall work, um, really it doesn't believe that only certain kids can be leaders. It actually seems to believe that all people can be leaders in their own kind of capacity. Has that been your experience? Absolutely. I would say that I wouldn't even have been here if it wasn't for somebody seeing that in me. Like uh, when I think back on whether or not I'd be where I am today, I think back on when I first came to high school and when I didn't know what I wanted to do. And uh, one senior just seen something in me and decided that, hey, I want to push him to be a better leader. Uh, the best quality a leader can have is to bring out the leader in other people because everybody has a leadership style that they can be like they can always I don't know where I was going with that uh like you can always be a leader it's just you have to have it drawn out of you and you really just have to realize your potential and realize like what you do well yeah I think that's absolutely right like frameworks of leadership right some people lead by setting a great example. Some people lead by being inspirational. Some people lead because they're just really organized and know exactly where to go, when to go, how to go and when to do it and that kind of thing. And, you know, I, I, I agree with that. I just think it, and you know, my, my good fortune of working with my ESPO team has been, you know, to really just assume that everybody's a leader and it's like, okay, uh, what is it that you bring to the table? Yeah. And you broke out a little bit, but uh, I, uh, would also just say that, like, no matter what style of leadership you have as a person, uh, they're all just as valuable. Like, even if you're not the person speaking at the press conferences, uh, yeah. yep. even if you're the person that just does simple organizing, like, it's all really important. And the more diverse skill sets we have in this organizing field, the better off we are. Uh, yeah. We're all in this together. Yeah. And, like, right. really if we're going to get to where we want to be, then we all have to be together. That's dope. Yeah. And, and the thing that's so powerful about a listening campaign is it really at the root of community organizing and making meaningful changes relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't write policy if you don't know what's on the minds of the people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it sounds like um, this particular campaign isn't really going in with any preconceived notions of like okay we need to accomplish this thing so let's listen to people but we know where we're going it's more a matter of we need to get with the people and we need to see what they're feeling and then what the people are feeling will dictate next steps does that feel accurate to you absolutely um and this kind of goes back to uh project voice programming uh i uh last year as a uh, last year during the summer after my junior year, yeah. uh, Project Voice started uh, another program. They have several summer programs, but they started the Our Voice program. And pretty much what that's for is for young leaders uh, in our community to really expand their skill set as a leader and to mm-hmm. really get to understand like a lot about the organizing and policy uh, cycles. Uh, and one thing that... W- is really important in those cycles is that you're not like, even if you're a leader, you don't know what everybody needs. Like um, it's kind of almost a God complex for some leaders. Yeah. I think that they know what's best just because they're at that position. So 
yeah. uh, we definitely try to stay away from that and just be closer with our community. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that's, that's, that, that is the, the testament to a true leader. You know, I think like it's, it's do you, what's the cause? Is it you right. or is it the people that you're leading for? Right. And, and the, you right. know, um, stakeholders involved. So Malachi, like we think about policy, if you could make one policy recommendation, you have, you know, the ear of the board of education, you, you are sitting there with the uh, department of education. What, what might be one policy? And this doesn't have to be like your top one, but what's one thing that you think about when it comes to educational policy? There's so many things I can hit on here. Uh, I feel like what's been on my mind a lot, uh, this past year has definitely been the way that funding is structured in DPS. Um, mm -hmm. We see a lot of inequitable funding in different schools, like yeah. in schools in the far Northeast, uh, funding is a little more scarce, and, but in other places it's not. Yeah. Uh, and that's really not the fault of really particularly anybody who's in power right now, but it's more right. due to policy that is outdated. And that's specifically when it comes to when schools get the majority of their funding and comes from their uh, local property tax. Yeah. And it just never made sense to me why it would come from a local level. Yeah. Because that just means to me that if the community is struggling, then the school is going to struggle. Yeah. Then if the school struggles, there's no way out because yeah. it's just setting the future generations up for failure. Yeah. Uh, and I guess the change I would make, um, it's a, it's not exactly a well thought out, but I probably would take the, um, property tax from the district and put it into like, put it all together and equitably distribute it, not equally, but equitably yep. because, yep. 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 um, different schools have different needs and some of them are being met and some of them aren't. Yeah. And I think that all it is is just reorganizing the fund sometimes. Yeah. I've had these uh, questions on my mind too regarding funding because uh, Kevin and I are at a school that is really suffering um, because of funding formula. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's the property tax thing, which we know the history of redlining. And so property, yep. property values aren't, they're not. Um, yeah, but it's intrinsically linked with racism. Yeah, I mean, uh, you said that better than I was. I was <laughs> yeah, like, he did. I was like, because <laughs> you know, like, because the redlining and the, you know, um, but yeah, they're intrinsically linked to racism. That was beautiful. Um, and and I think also per pupil funding is also really uh, problematic because if your enrollment drops, it's not like it's not like every kid has a certain amount of money that they put in and they get their education. Um, right. those things have to pay for a lot of different things. And so I really do think that schools that have predominantly black and brown populations are the ones that are disproportionately harmed by that stuff. And um, I think that's a powerful thing to think about, you know, and that, that and school funding is something that so many people. And when I say people, I mean like grown people like us, like, yeah just aren't willing to fight we're just kind of like well it's just the way it is you know schools are broke just how it is you know yep yep yeah that reminds, that reminds me of another thing i'd probably change uh yeah. another thing that i find troubling with the funding is the way october count works oh mm -hmm. go on. Oh, going man. on yeah explain, can you explain october yeah, tell count? us 
tell yeah, people tell us what you not understand, but explain it. But yes, go in. Yeah. So, so the way that per student um, funding works is that pretty much there's a day in October. I don't remember what exact day it is, but it's a day where all the students are counted for the school and then they're given uh, like their numbers of funds for the year. Yeah. And what you see happen is, is that these schools that are able to uh, control who is at their school, yep. uh, specifically charters, um, is yeah. that they'll have students come to their schools through October and then they'll tell them that they're not a good fit anymore. And then those students will. Oh. End up in- yep. Yep. And yep. yep. Those no students will start coming to schools that don't have the money from those students being there pre-October. That's yeah. right. And those schools get less funding. They're frankly overcrowded yeah. at times. And yeah, it's just, it's hard to maneuver around that. It yeah. is, you know, it's like you need, you need uh, everyone to be invested in what's right for kids, not what's mm-hmm. right for your school building, you know. Yeah. And, and it's such an interesting day as a teacher because it is like this day. It's like, really, we're, we are literally just counting in a, and, and, you know, people in buildings, because this is the way school funding is run. It's a really important day. Right. And so mm-hmm. secretaries are emailing us to get any evidence that a student has been there, you know, yeah. up until yeah. that day, yeah. because we have to scramble for each student, you yeah. know, it, and, and, and it's a competition and it really is it it's almost feels like hunger games-esque right Between like each school is yeah. trying to get what they can because we know like you could be next and if and whatever the shift is but the interesting thing in Denver public schools right now is that the population is going down for everybody yeah we we, we are seeing a decline for everybody so you know as they say the rubber the rubber is going to meet the road very yeah. soon yeah, and is I, that is that what they say? The rubber. Meets uh, the road? Yeah, when the rubber meets the road, I think that's right. I'm I'm not. Yeah, I feel like it's when the the rims are about to hit the road. <laughs> oh, like we ain't had tires in a really long time, you know. <laughs> but I think too, you know, to add on to what you're saying, Kev, like the other thing that kind of troubles me is that there are some schools in the Denver Public Schools and in every district um, around this country where when funding is cut then they can just go to their parents and the parents will raise a whole bunch of money for the things that they need. It's like, well, we're going to fall short. So we need to do a big fundraiser and everybody's going to need know, a new library. The library, a new library. There's, there's a, there's a middle school that will remain unnamed that needed a new, that needed to fix a gym, but then the parents raised so much money that they're like, we can just build a new one. So they built a new gym with beautiful basketball court with, uh, with bleachers that come out and come back. This is a middle school. Uh-huh. And um, you know, middle some, school. Some schools have that capacity and others. I guess what middle school? No. Um, We we ain't going to put people on blast. Like everyone knows if you played middle school sports in DPS, you know. Oh, Um, wow. I don't even uh, play sports and I know. uh, I know. You don't even have to play sports. You don't even have to play sports. But, you know, I mean, that's the thing is that the predominantly white middle class uh, populations, they'll be fine. They'll recover. They've got the resources to maneuver around this stuff. But it's our schools that serve our black and brown children. Um, my dad has only a sixth grade education. Like he wasn't gonna, you know, be able to make up the difference if things fell apart. And so this is why this is such an important issue. Um, yeah, and I, and I can imagine just like through these conversations that you all are having through this listening campaign, um, 
you're you're getting a lot of perspective on on what people are feeling and thinking about on the ground and that's always a sound formula for meaningful change so so we will um we'll definitely so make sure you share those links with us we'll get those up uh, both on the episode website, but also on our website through our social media platforms. Folks, um, really do everything you can to support. You can support as a listener. You can support um, as as someone who has a, a story to share. Um, and you can support Project Voice. They are a 501c3 nonprofit organization in the state of Colorado. You can support them um, because in capitalism, we need money to make things happen. Malachi, something else you wanted to say? Yep. Uh, I would just say that supporting Project Voice is a great idea. Uh, they um, they are amazing when it comes to helping out with youth leadership development. And uh, yeah, so. Excellent. Also, if you want to help, you even if you don't want to help further beyond having a one-to-one, just getting the word out is uh, the best you can do. Like that, that is something we need so much. Yeah. And just recognize everybody that this work is much easier when uh, we're in quote unquote normal times and we can be face to face and we can be in rooms together. As Malachi just shared with us, um, being in a pandemic for the last 13 months has really hindered a lot of our ability to be in community. So your spreading the word um, helps us to all be in community together. So um, make sure you support. So Malachi, we're going to get you out of here in a second, but we like to end with something kind of fun. Um, so, uh, me and Kevin are old. Um, I am older than Kevin. Um, and so we, we always want to have a post. <laughs> it's true. I'm like way older. Like I was, not, not, like, it's not way older. I mean, when, when I was a senior, you were a freshman and that's like, you know, that's, Hey, um, Hey, you wouldn't that, give me, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have hung out with me, man. Oh, oh we, I, I would have hung out. You, we would have been boys. We I'm just saying I'm older. You would have bullied me. me. You would have me. I mean, that's true, but that's not about you. That's more. I was more about my issues. That was about love. You know how Immortal Technique put Lin Manuel Miranda. Oh yeah, I tell my daughter that story all the time. Yeah, it's an important one. And Immortal Technique talks about how like he was just angry at that time in his life, and you know, so don't take it personally what I would have done to you. But um, that's right. That's right. So, so Malika, we are always curious as to what kind of music people are feeling right now, and. um, as somebody who is an emerging person of the next generation, whose music are you feeling right now? And it can be for any reason. It can be for, because it motivates you as an activist. It can be because it just makes you feel good as a person. Um, it takes your mind off things. Who, whose music are you feeling right now? Uh, the, that's another thing I'm really passionate about. So that I, I could nice. Oh, so glad. There we <laughs> yeah. go. So uh, a lot of what I've been listening to recently is like, um, Anderson Pack, I really oh, like yeah. his uh, that's good track stuff. Lockdown. Yes, um, yeah, that's like definitely uh, um, organizing jam right there. Yeah, especially uh, how J Rock just killed his verse. I love that verse. Yep. Yes. Um, but as far as like who I listen to a lot, um, it doesn't really change much. Like I definitely have the artists that uh, have their time on my playlist, but yep. As far as like who stays in constant rotation is like uh, Nas. Yeah, there we go. Tupac, Kendrick Lamar. Yep. Ooh, I uh, love K Dot. Yeah, and uh, I'll try. I'll try to think of one more. Hold on. Let me All right, yeah, the, you do that. Let me pull up the playlist. Yeah, yeah. Check out the playlist. Yeah, I'm always surprised. It. I'm always surprised when I look at my recently played or my most played. I'm like, oh, all mm-hmm. right. 
I was listening to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, another song. Oh, Nipsey Hustle. That yes. Is- yes. Oh, you know what? And we ask this question a lot. I don't think Nipsey's come up at all yet. Which is, I think, uh, who? Someone from the West Coast that we interviewed said Nipsey. Okay. But, maybe- I, but, but I can't remember who it was. Somebody, one I- person said Nipsey. But well, yes, the marathon continues. Yeah, we'll have to look at the uh, at the archives. What do you like about Nipsey? Man, it's just the way he raps about like always staying committed to um, his hustle and just his grind. Like it's infectious. Like when you listen to him talk about like where he wants to be uh, in his earlier projects, and then with uh, his final project or with his uh, final album, like how he's gotten there, like. Songs like, um, what is it called? I I remember this song because it shares a sample with a J. Cole song. Um, oh. It shares a sample with, uh, it shares a sample with Sideline Story. Okay, okay. Um, but it's just like, his uh, his vibe is just like, makes you want to hustle too, so... Like whenever, yeah, it's, yeah. whenever you're trying to get into work, it's like you could just put on any of his projects and it's just go mode. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Yes. I agree with that. Um I, I did not listen to enough Nipsey um until right close to when we lost mm-hmm. him. And um man, uh, like uh such powerful stuff. I love his delivery, I love his cadence. Um yeah. he's super fun to listen to. So. Yep, yep. Well, Malachi Ramirez, thank you for coming on and uh, talking a little bit about the campaign that you're a part of. This is incredibly important work, and it's really an honor for us to have you on to talk about it. Thank you all so much for having me on. It was a pleasure. I'll have you back anytime. This was fun. Cool. Sure. Back, sure. back. We, we, we need to definitely, um, you know, get get our ear to the ground and see uh, what's what's actually happening, you know, in our communities. And, and you seem to be a fantastic voice for that. So uh, for Malachi Ramirez, I'm Gerardo Munoz. This is uh, your man, Kevin Adams. And uh, we wish you a great weekend and uh, support this campaign. Peace, y'all. Peace. Thank you.